Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, we are back for another edition of the Starting 502 podcast. Preston Meyer here. We, we are not alone tonight. Alan Thomas here to kind of mourn with us uh, as we end the season. Uh, kind of a fitting into the season, really. You know, Louisville led at halftime uh, for only the eighth time this season, falls 80 to 62, 49 to 28 in the second half. So that that really is just, just tells you uh, all that you need to know on the back half of the season. Uh, finally comes to a, a merciful end. Alan, I, I guess, you know, let's let's get things started, man. I mean, just just looking at this game and, and I guess really the way that we'll finish the season, what kind of stands out to you is kind of what went wrong towards the end? I, I think I wasn't the only one that was kind of watching. I was watching all the little things down the stretch. I, I kind of not that I wasn't watching the gameplay and watching what we were running. And I wasn't, you know, like obviously you noticed, you know, effort here or, oh, you know, you can kind of see on the horizon. Oh, he's about to get, you know, like crossed up or this guy's going to, you know, run the back door. You know, like you can kind of see things unfold. We've seen it all season, but I started to notice the little things like what was going on away from the game and, um, you know, the players expressions. I started honestly, uh, I just started I took my head away from the game. I started thinking about the players that may or may not be here, um, thinking about their futures um, in basketball and life. Um you know, watching Mel Ellis uh, down the stretch, he was coming through the lane and uh, he pulls up in the lane. It kind of just like a teardrop floater. Um, I think it missed, but it th- the whole point that I'm trying to make is he had one or two guys he could have dished to. And I think he was just he kind of I think he had had enough also. And I don't know if that's a sign of, of him coming back or whatnot, but that's where my, my mind started to go is thinking about the future immediately. Like I, you know, especially as you're down 15 minutes, uh, 15 points with a couple minutes to go. That's immediately as a Louisville fan. Like I, I just started to, you know, look ahead, look far ahead. The storyline to me this season and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but it's kind of been, you know, Louisville just takes one punch and then they're just done. Right. Like it, it's yeah. not hard to knock this team down and just keep them down. And I, I think that, Louisville actually was down double digits in the first half and came back and had the lead. A lot of that, though, had to do with the fact that that one of their best players, Makai Ashton Langford, uh, had three fouls in the first half. So he only played eight minutes or nine minutes in the first half and then kind of came through in the second half, finished with 16 points, uh, five rebounds. So that's something to consider as well. But, I mean, you look at this at this Louisville team – and it felt like a team that once they just got hit in the mouth once, they were just done. They just kind of gave up. And I hate to use the term gave up because, like, this is a team, like, if you give up, like, you just don't even show up to play. Like, you just don't even show up with any fight. Like, I don't think that was the case this season. However, they're like, once they just kind of 
were tripped up a couple of times, then teams were able to just go on these extensive runs and then players get selfish on offense players take plays off on defense. And, and I, I think that's kind of where things continue to stick for me is on the defensive end. If, if you're a team that's kind of trying to assimilate and, and become a, a cohesive unit, like this one is trying to under Kenny Payne, you have to start on the defensive end. It can't be on the offensive end. And they just never were that this season. No, absolutely. And I mean, you, you nailed it on the head as you were saying it. And I was kind of thinking the exact same thing. You, whatever happens next year, you know, like I, I'm not going it, to, it's so hard to break down, you know, and, and we all do it, you know, but 28 losses later, it's so hard to break down what needs to change. But the one glaring thing is, is defensively. We, I see guys get lost 28 games later. And it's so frustrating to watch because you want, you, you see growth in games, you know, like there was a game, a game or two or three where, you know, we're playing tough opponents. We're playing them close. And I mean, the, like the, the Virginia game where we played them pretty good the first time, you know, not this last one, but the one that we had at home. Um, I, I just think, you you know, like, like you say, you take, you take a step forward and then, but I think the steps that you take back is, you know, and you know, I'm not going to make a judgment or pass judgment on someone's mental anything during a game or where their mind is. But, you know, defensively, you have to be locked in. The best teams are, are the ones that are the most locked in. And I just don't know. I don't know who you pin that on. I don't know if it, I really don't know if it's the players saying, you know, like, well, we missed a few shots. Well, we're going to lose this game. I really don't know if collectively that is the, you know, um, those are the thoughts that go through their heads. Or I don't know if it's just, the coaching staff or the Kenny that just wants to die on a hill where, you know, we're going to play man until we, uh, you know, until we fall over. But I, I, I think you have to mix in a, a tough zone. I think you have to go full court and, you know, I don't think it's all on the players. I, I really don't know where to point, but, you know, defensively you have to get better next year. I mean, that, that is, that is the absolute glaring aspect of, of the failures throughout this season is defensively. How about this stat for you? Yeah. Boston college <laughs> finishes, the second half with 25 total rebounds, 11 offensive rebounds. Louisville had 11 total rebounds in the second half. Uh, wow. so, so even though Louisville out-rebounded Boston College in the first half, even though Louisville won the free throw battle in the first half, Boston College completely flipped that on its head, and Louisville had zero answer for that. And it's incredibly concerning when, when you're watching a team and you know investing in a team and you see uh, the opponent get 11 offensive rebounds in one half. Uh, especially a team without their star uh, big man in post uh, for Boston College. It, it was just – it was like they just wanted to totally flip the script on Louisville in the second half. Defensively, I mean, it's just been atrocious as as you just look at the entire season. You allowed 80 points to Boston College, 75 to Virginia, 71 to Virginia Tech, 83 to Georgia Tech, who's just not, a, not that good of a team, a 79 to Duke, who's a defensive-minded team. Uh, 73 to Clemson, 61 to Virginia, which is probably the best defensive game you played all season. But then you go 93 to Miami, 91 to Pitt, 81 to Florida State, 58 against Georgia Tech. Again, another solid defensive performance. But then 76 to Notre Dame, 75 to the last time they played Boston College, 75 to Pitt, 80 to North Carolina, 83 to Clemson, 80 to Wake Forest, 70 to Syracuse, uh, 86 to Kentucky, 76 to NC State. And the, the the really just damning part about all of this, too, is when, when you just go across and, and – and look at the results this season, uh, it's a lot of these teams are calling off the dogs. You know, you lose 80 to 59 at UNC, but they have been the backups for the last eight minutes of the game. So mm-hmm. you lose 
you know, you give up, say it's it's 75 at Boston College or 75 at Pitt. But I mean, this is after they've already called off the dogs. So like you're just getting absolute dog walk, especially in second halves of these games. Like Louisville game up give up 49 points to Boston College in the season finale. And and that's like kind of what them just kind of calling off the dogs and putting in their walk-ons in the, in the final minutes. So it's just like it's just concerning across the board. Like this is just a, a team where it felt like, especially in the second half, opponents could just name name their score against this team. Uh, they could get them in pick and rolls, and 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 players had no idea what they're doing. Uh, I mean, I would point out, you know, what you would call the guards or, or the you know the one, two, and three, and, and Mike James, L. Ellis, and Kamari Lands. You know, th- those guys just they could not get the job done over and over and over again on, on the defensive end. Part of me wonders if that has to do with depth. But, but, you know, a, another major part of me just just feels like, you know, if this is a team that's trying to transition, like, I understand Lowell's on offense. I understand if you score 45, 50 points in a game, as long as you're only allowing 50, 55 points in a game. But this team is it was allowing a consistently night in and night out 75 to 80 points a game, especially on the back half of the season. And that, that's what it comes down to me. Offense is, is something that it's difficult to work into when you're playing against an ACC schedule. I totally understand that, but the offense actually was kind of kind of uh, coming into the fold a little bit towards the end of the season. It, it was just defense and rebounding uh, that just really just stuck in my crawl and, and was just an, just a huge issue for this Louisville team uh, throughout the back half of the season. And a lot of that just has to do with energy and effort, man. It, it simply does. You know, we saw in very brief spurts that this Louisville defense could, could hold things together. It's so, like they knew what they were doing at times. But it was just, again, it was just the effort. It was just a consistency that was just never there this season. Talking to this anybody in this fan base, the thing that we're going to be upset the most about, um, other than not running a fast-paced offense, but it's going to be the defense. And that's because we've, all of us, every, every, probably every Louisville fan that is alive right now grew up on a fan, on a, on a, that grew up in this fan base on a fast-paced offense or a transition from defense to offense or an offense that was created through defense. So it's really hard to watch a team that can't get turnovers, doesn't get uh, that many deflections and just kind of looks inept, you know, getting lost on cuts. And I think this is a great sell. I'm I'm, going to take it this way. I I think it's a great sell to any high profile defender that is on the board right now that wants to possibly come to Louisville. And I think that's why you're hearing the buzz about Trenton Flowers. This kid is an absolute freak. You and I have covered it before. He's an absolute unicorn. On the defensive end as well, he can do everything. He's the most underrated player in the 2024 class. Now, if we're going to look at this next year, 2023, I think everybody's talking about Dennis Evans for a reason. This dude is the best shot blocker in the class. I think I'm not entirely pleased with Kenny Payne. I don't think anybody's doing backflips, but I do believe in his eye for talent. And I do believe in his, his ability to develop relationships with these kids. And I think that he has a great selling point to a guy like Dennis Evans. Like you can protect my rim because I didn't really have that this year. And let's be honest, we didn't really have that last year either. And it's just one of those things where Louisville fans are going to have to turn the page. It's a really hard pill to swallow tonight. You get, you get your ass beat in the last game. It was just so poetic. You know what I mean? Like it's, and it's hard to watch. Um, down the stretch you, you know it, it's it's almost like you know that movie that you've seen a hundred times and then at the end you see it it's it, for me it was like watching the sopranos i just binged that for 
the third time um, in my life just a few weeks ago. And I got to the end and I felt sick to my stomach again because I knew how it was going to happen. And then I saw the black screen and I was like, damn it. And I felt sick after. And that's kind of how I feel right now after the last game. You know, it's like watching a rerun of, of a, a show that, you know, has just such a tragic ending. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I have all the faith in the world and in Kenny Payne's ability to eye talent. I, I really hope he can uh, churn it into some wins next year and some success because um, there's a lot riding on this. You know, he's one of ours and we really, as a, as a fan base, we need this to work. I really hope it does. Fingers crossed. <laughs> what, one last thing for you before we get you out of here. Uh, sure. You, you mentioned Kenny Payne's eye for talent. Uh, and and this coaching staff, understandably, is going to take a lot of flack in this offseason. And they should. Yes. I mean, just to be honest with you, this is Louisville basketball. Uh, four four and 28 will never, ever, ever, ever be acceptable. Uh, nope. It, it, just, it just won't be. In no circumstances, even the tough circumstances that the staff took over, uh, you, can't, you can't be nine games, nine losses worse than you were last season. You just can't. When you talk about Kenny Payne's eye for talent, do you feel like he just looked at this team this year and just said, like, this just isn't it. And he's just been trying to survive. Like, is there a possibility that like he just looked at this team, he knew that he was going to get rid of almost every player on, on this, on this squad and that this was going to be a complete rebuild starting next season. I have no idea. I, I will say that, at, you know, at the luncheon when we went, which was actually like a dinner this year, he, I mean, he, he warned everybody in the crowd. Uh, I had people sitting at my table and, and we heard him say that. And we're like, yeah, he's just telling us that, you know, that's kind of like, that's some stuff Patino used to do, but maybe right. he meant, maybe he meant that shit, you know. Like maybe maybe Kenny was like, "Listen, I I see my roster. I mean, if you remember, he wouldn't play Indiana. He would not put Indiana on the schedule because he said, "Listen, Coach Woodson, I see your roster and I see mine. You know, we can't do it. So maybe he saw something that that we didn't, and maybe he's just that guy that's going to smile and oppress her when he gets beat. You know, beats his uh, has his brains beat in every time. You know, I I, I don't know. You know, like he, he just seems like a guy of high character. Um, you know, to answer your question, I really hope that uh, I really hope that he looks at the roster and says, you know, I need four, four new starters. If L. Ellis is coming back, if Ellis not coming back, I need five. And that's just me loving the guys on this roster, knowing a couple of them and how great they are and their families and stuff like that. And knowing that they need to be part of the depth and not part of the starting lineup. And they, they can be, and, and, and it, it can work that way. They can uh, be successful. Undoubtedly. I mean, you, I think, you know, Kenny Payne on, or excuse me, Nolan Smith on a personal level, uh, everybody loves Nolan and his family. A lot of people around here, including yourself, know JJ trainer on a personal level. We've gotten to know Sidney Curry and known, you know, his, his journey and, and who he is. We've gotten to know L Ellis and, and know who he is. Like there are a lot of good stories, a lot of good talents, a lot of likable guys on this roster. Like, and we don't hold any of that against them, but I mean, look, like when you look across the the landscape, you look across the work uh, of, of this team, of this coaching staff, of what they were able to put on the floor, of the adjustments that, that they made or lack thereof, like you can't help but just be disappointed and kind of numb to the entire situation. Like it's almost just kind of a shock to your system. I mean, we're this is a team that's 10 years removed from a national championship. It's a team that's, you know, 10 years removed from, from back-to-back Final Fours and, you know, only eight years removed from – from three final fours in four years. This is a program that has been, that's built itself on, on excellence on again, like we talked about defense rebounding, just high character guys, tough minded blue collar, bring your lunch pail type of guys. Uh, and, and it was just complete opposite of all of that this season. And, you know, it's hard not to blame the coaching staff. It's hard not to blame the players, but I mean, look, this has been a toxic situation since day one. 
Uh, the way that the staff built the roster, I disagreed with from, from the very start. There's, there's just a lot that the staff's going to have to prove, and this is going to be a huge offseason. Uh, Alan Thomas, thank you so much for joining us. We'll we'll get into a lot more in this offseason. I mean, it's going to be a long one. We're, we are looking forward to just kind of diving into, you know, the transfer portal, all that that encompasses, and, and, and what a complete rebuild might look like uh, going into the 2023-24 season. Alan, thank you very much for coming on, man. On the other side, we have much more to get to including, but not limited to, Kenny Payne's comments on the season, on the coaching staff, and what is next for Louisville basketball. Uh, stay tuned on their side. Let's pay some bills. Get that money, 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 money. something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details All right, let's talk a little post game after the Boston College game because you know, we don't we don't want to get too much into the Boston College game itself, too much into the the final games of the season themselves. However, it's the comments from Kenny Payne and from the players that that really just get my juices flowing because you know, we we understand the importance of of this season and of the upcoming season. Louisville fans are looking for any reason to get behind and support Kenny Payne. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, some of the comments online about people being racist against Kenny Payne. No, no, just stop right there, okay? Chris Mack was fired, okay, parted ways with Louisville last season, midseason, for having a far better season than Kenny Payne had this year. I mean, obviously, Kenny Payne was going to have some leeway this year because of the transition, because uh, the the IARP ruling finally came down. I get all of that. But when you come in and have literally the worst season in school history, you're, it's going to be subject to some criticism. And, and Louisville was statistically the worst team that they fielded in, in the modern era by a, a long shot, by a long shot. But when you come in and have a 4-28 record with pretty much zero hope or optimism for the future, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be subject to criticism no matter what color you are, no matter what your history is, no matter if you played for UofL, if you didn't play for UofL. And I mean, the reality of the situation is, I feel like if this was a different coach, this was a different hire, uh, I'm not sure that we're having the same conversations or giving as much leeway as we are right now to Kenny Payne. So to people saying that this is a race thing, I mean, you got to be kidding me. You got to get your mind out of the gutter there, man. Like, I, I, I understand, you know, where where we've come from and how far we've come as far as, you know, taking care of, of racial inequities and racial injustices uh, and how far we still have to go in this country. Indicating that this has anything to do with something other than the play on the floor and, and the optimism of, of, of the future of the program is just asinine, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it's just it's just a bad take. It's it truly it is just a genuinely bad take. As fans, I don't think there's anyone out there that does not want Kenny Payne to succeed. If Kenny Payne succeeds, then Louisville succeeds. We're all cheering for Kenny Payne. He's one of our own. Everybody wants this to work out. 
but right now it is not working out. And I think the main issue that, that Louisville fans have is, you know, it's not easy to look towards next year and say, wow, I think things are going to get a lot better. There was nothing throughout the season that indicated that anything about what Kenny Payne and this coaching staff want to do as far as style of play. We, we didn't really get a glimpse of, of what they want to run on offense. We definitely don't know what they're trying to do on defense. We don't know what their identity is at all. And yes, they improved probably tenfolds during the middle of the season. They finished out the season by losing 15 by 15 plus points five times in a row. So as much as we want to you know talk about and say that they improved in the middle of the season, I mean, they did, but then they just kind of reverted back to their old ways towards the end of the season. Uh, and and when, when they did have leads, they let those leads slip away. I mean, look, you know, you lead by three, at halftime against Boston College, and then Boston College couldn't name their score in the second half. It was that bad. And then what compounds this is when you look at and listen to the quotes, the comments by the coaching staff, by the players after the game. I mean, we'll start with J.J. Trainer after the game. This quote right here is damning from a guy who just played uh, the final game of the season. I mean, th- this, is, this is do or die time, and J.J. Trainer said, the difference in the towards the end of the game was I would say in the first half we had more energy and we were playing harder and getting in the lane. That was working for us. In the second half, we didn't get in the lane as much. And at, at the point at I'm assuming you're saying it, at that point, you're talking about their energy just exceeding ours. What? He's just openly admitting to, yeah, their energy was better. They were starting getting in the paint, getting to the free throw line, and that led to the lead. This man just admitted that their energy was better than theirs in a win-or-go-home game. Like, you win this game or your season's over, and the other team just came out and they just had more energy than you? Like, that's what we're talking about, and that's been the story all season long. So why not just finish the season like how you started it? Like, it's unbelievable. And there's a lot of this in past seasons. I don't think anybody would have given any credence to the fact that Louisville uh, didn't come to the arena and practice the day before. Every other team that played on day one, so there were five other teams that played on Tuesday of the ACC tournament. All five of those teams came in, and they, play, they practiced during their designated practice time in the arena. Get a feel for what the arena is like. Get there, get your bearings, uh, gather your bearings, get your feet under you. And you know what? If Louisville was a you know, fringe tournament team or they are going to be in the tournament and they were playing for seating or something, and they didn't show up and practice the first day, fine. That's fine with me. Like, you do your thing. It, clearly, you guys know what you're doing. But when you've won four games all season, you've lost by 15 or more the last four games, and some of those were by much more than 15. When you're getting blown out in that capacity, then yeah, when you see that the other five teams are going to the arena and practicing before the game, and you guys are flying in late at night and then just, like, showing up to the arena the next day, that feels like some AAU shit. That feels like, you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, why aren't we doing what the other teams are doing? Like, you see what I'm saying? That's not something that we would criticize in past seasons. But this season, that's something that you take note of. Because it's like, why are you doing things different than the rest of the teams who are doing better than you? You came in last in the conference. You'd think you would want, you'd want to do things at some capacity that other teams are doing. Another thing is, like, the, the coaches on their, on their coaches' shows uh, wearing the Nike shoes. And, yes, in, in hindsight, that, that's not really a big deal. But it's a big deal to Adidas, I will say that. I mean, like, when, when you're the the... Uh, most lucrative when you have the most lucrative contract of any college sports team with Adidas you have a more lucrative contract than any other team in the country uh, when it comes to Nike New Balance uh, Under Armour any of those right you were the flagship program for Adidas and then you have your coaches going on their coaches shows on live TV something that they're paid to do something that's that they're contractually obligated to do showing up with Nike shoes on 
first of all, just a bad look to wear Nike Nike shoes with a Adidas shirt. But whatever, I digress. Uh, but but secondly, what what are you doing? Like again, in years past, that probably flies. Like if you're five hundred, if you are any semblance of, of a remotely good team, nobody's saying jack shit about that. But you've won four games. Like you got to stay in your lane. You got to do what you're supposed to do. And yeah, it sounded like from from Josh Hurd's perspective, uh, they probably got a call from Adidas. Adidas is probably like, "What the fuck? Like we're paying you what was it eighteen twenty million dollars a year for you to wear our stuff? Just wear our stuff." Like they get so much free stuff, and yet you choose to wear those shoes. And again, it does. It, it, this wouldn't be something that came up in a normal season. And and you know, coaches are going to get on online and you know, essentially take shots at, at fans for for criticizing them for something. Look, you got to stay in your lane. You got to focus. Like nobody wants you to be on Twitter talking about you know talking about shoes, and nobody wants your your wives to be on Twitter standing up for you and saying why why are you so negative? What's good? Like read the freaking room. Read the room, guys. And then, speaking of reading the room, there's the Kenny Payne press conference post-Boston College. And literally when I heard these comments, like when I tell you that my jaw dropped when I heard what Kenny Payne said and, and how he responded to a reporter, it's probably the most damning thing about this entire season. And it goes to show you that there's just a, a, a huge disconnect right now between the fan base and the coaching staff. So some, I wouldn't even say he's a brave reporter. I would say a, a, a reporter that's not associated with, with Louisville or Boston College uh, just happened to be at the ACC tournament because I think most uh, Louisville media markets, you know, they were like, uh, yeah, the Louisville high school regionals are down the road and then Kentucky plays in a couple days. You guys should probably just stay here. Uh, so there's literally like no Louisville media there. So some dude just decided to ask if Kenny Payne had had conversations with Josh Hurd and where they move from here. And Kenny Payne said, and I quote, I don't think that's a good question, my friend. I don't know how to answer that. Of course I've not had one conversation with Josh Hurd about my future, which what the fuck. I don't know if there is a reason to have a conversation with Josh Hurd about my future. I go to work every day. I love Josh. Josh loves me. There's nothing to talk about. I got a job to do. Excuse me? What do you, what do you mean you haven't had a conversation about... My guy, like, read the room for a second. You just played 32 games, and you won four of them. You only had a lead at halftime in eight of them. You lost by 15 or more points 17 times this season. Normally, if Louisville loses 17 times in a season, that is subject to firing. And you lost by more than 15 17 times. You lost by more than 25 five times. You lost by more than 30 four times. What are we talking about? Of course there should be conversations with Josh Hurd. That's like saying that you did terrible at literally any other job, and you go, I don't know what you're talking about, my friend. I don't know why you'd even ask that question. We love each other here. It doesn't matter what kind of job we do. We love each other. Some other brave soul followed up and asked what the conversation with the coaches is, is, is like. And Kenny Payne said, still don't understand the question, but I can tell you I have one of the best staffs in college basketball. I can tell you that they're, they're unique individuals that have had so much success in this game. I can't believe you just asked that question because you're looking at guys that have accomplished more in their life as players. Forget coaching. Their experience in life is why I hired them. They're great coaches, and they gave these kids love every day. I mean, I don't even understand the question. Like, what's there to evaluate? I asked them to love the young men. That's why I hired them, to adopt their dreams. That's why I hired them. 
nothing else. They did their jobs. They did, they did a great job. I love my staff. I mean, if you hear that and your jaw just doesn't drop at the lack of understanding, the lack of, of I mean, like, I understand that you're going to take up for your coaching staff, but look, their success as players, it's very clear that Danny Manning's success in college basketball, which granted, he's probably the most successful college basketball player of all time. Don't get me wrong. He scored more points than any other player in the history of college basketball. Like, Danny Manning is an all-time great college basketball player. Do not get me wrong. And please do not, do, do not misconstrue, what I'm, misconstrue what I'm saying. Danny Manning also went to Wake Forest and got fired because he wasn't good enough at his job. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can be successful in one avenue of life. But that's like saying, what are you talking about? Danny Manning got straight A's on his report card. What do you mean that... that you know, he's not good at, as a bank teller. Like, it's just, it, it, it blows my mind. Like, yes, you can be successful in one avenue of life. That doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be successful in another. Like, how can you say that you have one of the best staffs in college basketball when you literally just went 4-28? and 28? People are going to question that, man. And I think people aren't going to question that. It's just asinine. That's just, it's just absolutely mind-blowing that you would, you would even think about that. Uh, I mean, again, Nolan Smith, a great dude. And look, as we talked about, we just talked to Alan. He has a personal relationship with Nolan Smith. He has a personal relationship with JJ Trainer. Uh, you know, we, you know, personal relationship with, with Sidney Curry. We, we have nothing against these people. We love Kenny Payne. We love Nolan Smith. We love Danny Manning. We love, you know, you, you know, going out outside of basketball. Josh Hurt. We love everything associated with this program. Like if we, you know, if we would go get beers with these guys any day of the week. We love these guys, but th that doesn't mean that you get to just write off everything that's happened in this basketball season. It just blows my mind that there's no comprehension or understanding of that. And when he says, I mean, I don't even understand the question, like, what's there to evaluate? What do you mean, what's there to evaluate? You went four and fucking 28. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I don't mean to, to sound angry or crass or, or, or uh, pessimistic in any way, but hello, wake up, read the room, understand that, that when you have a job to do and you epically fail the, at that job, come nowhere close to meeting expectations, people are going to have questions. People are going to be up, upset. People are going to be angry. Like, there's people like me who showed up to 14 out of 17 of your home games this year. The only reason that I didn't show up to three is because I work for a living. I have to be out of town, for, you know, for, for some games. I have to watch on TV sometimes. But I would be there 17 out of 17 times fucking screaming my head off. But, yes, it's disappointing when I look at the bench and it looks like nobody knows what's going on. It looks like they'd be literally any, anywhere else than where they are right now. It looks like they, they care less than I do. That's a problem, man. So, like, yeah, when people ask about the coaching staff, when people ask about roster turnover, when people ask about, you know, are you going to evaluate your job? Are you going to talk to your boss about, you know, the, the type of job that you did? You make more than $3 million a year. You should have those conversations every year. I mean, this is just, it's just asinine to, to even, like, Kenny, I love you, but, like, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? That is maybe the most frustrating thing about this entire season. We had to wait until to the to the very last second of the season uh, to get me the most frustrated. Like that is just just unbelievable. And and I hope to God that at some point he walks us back. Going forward, there's a lot of work to do, and I, I will be Kenny Payne and and this Louisville staff's number one supporter through thick and thin. I will continue to be critical because I think there's a standard that needs to be upheld from Louisville fans, from from those around the program, and. To be honest, that standard has not been upheld for six, seven, eight years. And that is that this is a team that competes year in and year out for national championships. 
This is a, this is a team that's consistently ranked in the top 25, the top 10 in the country. This is a team that gets double buys in the ACC tournament that, you know, has more than just a winning record in the ACC that is near the top of the ACC. This is a, this is a program that should live up to a top 10 program standard. Right now, we're nowhere near, near that. And it's going to take a ton, a ton of work in the offseason and things to work out almost perfectly, almost flawlessly in the offseason in order to turn things around next season. Is it impossible? No. Is it unprecedented? No. Will it be difficult? Absolutely. And so I will continue to support. I want nothing but the best. But we're also going to hold them to a standard. And there are people out there who want to you know, say that it's racist or that you're not a true fan if, if, if you have you know, so much criticism or, you know, keep that same energy. I'm going to keep the energy of, of holding this, this team and this program to a standard. I'm going to enjoy, Louisville will be back and I'm going to enjoy the rise to the top, whether that's with Kenny Payne or it's not with Kenny Payne, but we're going to be critical when it's time to be critical and that <laughs> nothing's going to change my mind on that. So I'm sorry if you don't, if you think that I'm not key, if, if all of a sudden, you know, you see me being more positive next season, when there's more stuff to be positive about, then I'm not going to quote unquote, be keeping the same energy as, as you might say. So a lot to look forward to. Um, as we talked about last week, Dennis Evans, per, perhaps one of Louisville's, if not Louisville's best center recruit ever, uh, is visiting this coming weekend. Uh, recent decommit from Minnesota, also considering very strongly it looks like TCU, but it looks like Louisville is the front runner. Would be a huge, a massive get for Louisville, a guy that would play uh, right away next season. That's exactly what this this team needs going forward. For people who were saying, oh, great, another center. Look, we talked about this last week, but very quickly, uh, I, I don't think that Louisville is going to have uh, much competition at center next year. I think that there will be quite a few guys that are moving on. The only guy who I foresee being back uh, in the middle is Emmanuel Okorafor. He's kind of already confirmed on social media he plans to be back. I don't think Louisville would bring him bring him in midseason just for him to leave right away. Uh, I think Manny Okorafor will be back. But Manny Okorafor, I'm not sure that that's, that's a starting caliber player. Dennis Evans, starting caliber, one-and-done type of player. Exactly what Louisville needs to get the ball rolling. And then, for the love of God, hit the transfer portal like crazy. Uh, Louisville needs grad transfer guards. And I know in the past, you know, we've been critical of, okay, well, you know, we need to, you know, shore up, you know, the pipeline essentially. Like you can't just depend on grad transfers every year. But I mean, that's more of, of the, the the way that things are, are headed right now. Louisville is bringing in some freshmen this season. So let's go out and get some experienced, heady grad transfers, some dogs. We need some dogs on this team. And I think there's those types of players absolutely will be out there. The staff needs to do a good job of evaluating uh, what, what the fit is like here and making sure that they go out and get a good fit uh, for, for next season. I don't want to see them shorting us on guards either. Go out and get three, four, five guards. I'm so serious. Uh, you know, I, I understand having like a Mike James who's versatile, but we need ball handlers. We need guys who are, are willing to dish out 10 assists per game. We need guys who are going to create steals who are going to, you know, create extra possessions. Um, guys who are going to get in, get into the thick of things and grab some rebounds. Uh, guys who are going to create pressure uh, defensively. We need all of those things uh, from guards. Uh, and, and finally, uh, Louisville, um, Louisville recruit Trenton Flowers is deciding uh, between Louisville and four other schools. Uh, the so it won't be next week. It'll be the week after uh, from Trenton Flowers. Well, actually, it will be next week. Excuse me. 
Trenton Flowers will be deciding next Friday. Uh, so it looks like it's down to Louisville and Creighton. Uh, Trenton Flowers, probably the most athletic, uh, underrated player in, in this class. And I, I don't say that just because he's a guy that's leaning towards Louisville. I say that because it's it's reality. This is a guy who's kind of been soaring up the rankings, a guy who um, is an extremely versatile kind of forward guard combo, guy who doesn't really fit the mold of, of any position. And that's, you know, that, that that's the type of dude that Kenny Payne loves. We can get that guy and, and start, you know, landing some high four-star, five-star recruits, all of a sudden, yes, you can absolutely turn the momentum. Uh, and then it would just be up to the coaching staff to kind of make the fist, the pieces fit a little bit better. Let's see this as a blank canvas. I think that we're going to find in the coming days that a lot of players are transferring out. Uh, Kenny Payne said that probably on, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're going to be evaluating and, and meeting with the team a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And we will be there along the way, every step of the way, uh, until next time, starting a 502 podcast, go Cards, let's get out of here. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun, yeah, you get it, every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.